Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. So we've uh, started the new season off by exploiting our son. Yes, That's good. One of them. Actually, we're going to exploit both of them. <laughs> <laughs> you have to turn that up. We are so excited to come back, Alex. Back. Yes, Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad Podcast, Season 2, and we have many surprises for you. And here's the thing, we we were actually ready to go out with this first episode a little earlier, but we waited because we didn't want to eclipse Game of Thrones. Of course we did We knew that, you know, people had to choose. And I'm Jan Deckel, and I'm a web designer. And I'm Alex McGinn, I am a tech guy at Warner Brothers. And we're a married couple, we have uh, kids, our kids are twins, and they're three and a half years old now. How was your, the hiatus, Alex, for you? The, the hiatus? Oh, you know, sitting by the pool with little, you know, fruity drinks with umbrellas on top. That's exactly what That's we, what we did. That's do. what we did. We didn't parent the whole time while going to work and all that. Alex, do you want to tell our listeners uh, a little bit about our kids? Ben oh. and Adam, what stage are they I, at right I'm, now? You know how uncomfortable I am about talking about my own children. Of I'm course. just kidding. I like... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we got to take those buttons away from you. Take the buttons away. No. Stop. Thank you very much. So they're three and a half years old, and uh, we are in a stage where... They are not only incredibly curious, as they have been since they were born, but they now have the dexterity, hands and legs and climbing and everything else, to research anything they want to know. So that means grabbing everything and opening everything and, you know, pulling things off of shelves and... And kicking stuff and see what falls uh, and yeah, what not. Yeah, so, so, and there are two of them and they go in opposite directions. So it is uh, frequently a holy hell to try to keep keep them under control. Um, we love to take them anywhere outside of the house so that they can destroy other people's property instead of our own. Um, but I will also, so that's the bitchy side, but I will also say that hands down and without question, this is the most shockingly wonderful. Cute. Just not just cute. I mean, the things they say and the ideas that they come up with and the connections that they make between, you know, different parts of their lives that I would never even think to make. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And then, you know, look, the, they come up, they throw themselves at you and hug you and it's good stuff. Yeah. We have uh, uh, new, relatively new friends who are... Uh, neighbors and uh, they have uh, twins who are three months old yeah and it kind of uh, you see that and you see how much we suffered in the first year and you said it the other day like it's like a boot camp you're going you're trained to become parent on the first year by disassemble yourself and reassemble yourself. It's absolutely true. The system breaks you down into your smallest pieces and then reconstructs you as father, father man. Mm, uh, so Daddy Square, the Gay Dad podcast, we're talking to people about specific issues that relate to parenting in general and may arise for gay couples having children. We bring on gay dads to tell their stories and we hope that our guests can serve as mentors to our listeners in some way. 
No. Okay. <laughs> listen. Listen. Uh, to our listeners, I just want to say, you will listen to those little stupid incidentals during this episode and this episode alone because they will never present themselves again. During the hiatus, I, I spent a lot of time listening to other gay dad stories and reading posts and all on social media. And there's one thing that I feel is the biggest challenge for prospective gay dads, which is the cost of surrogacy. Uh, so we decided to start our season with this subject. I know that uh, when gay people think about uh, becoming dads, it's kind of like a, a, a vague black wall that we don't have enough money, is it's impossible, you know, and all of the, the obstacles to getting mm -hmm. there. Yes. We turned to Sam Hyde. Uh, he's the CEO of Circle Surrogacy, and he spoke to us on, on the phone from Boston. You know, Alex, I conducted a small research. I before. do know. Yeah, you do? I know you because do. we prepare for this podcast. <laughs> so I started uh, a research because we had some issues and complaints to our surrogacy. Fertility for clinic. And that, we, that we went yes. with. And I want to see what other people think about their way. And so I turned to the Gay Fathers uh, group on Facebook, which has... A little bit above 5,000 members. And I kind of posed the question and I uh, started uh, talking to people. And turns out that people with Circle were the happiest. So, yeah, it was like they, they, they were the most satisfied. Not only because of the success rates, but also because of the human connection that the staff has made with them. And when I talked to Circle, when, when we started communicating with them, I saw that they're really kind of open about the, the whole money thing. And that was exactly what we were looking for. We were looking for somebody to actually explain to us why is it so expensive. And we tried to break it down and see if you can make it cheaper. The good news and incomplete disclosure, Circle Surrogacy is our first sponsor. Yeah. And that came out of this process. And we've yeah, been so thrilled to have us have them join us that way. As we talk to them and we realize that, you know, they really want to become part of our podcast. So, uh, yeah, so they become our first sponsor and we're really happy about it. And thank you. You know what I I kind of after after we interviewed him, I went back and, and calculated some stuff and I realized that had we listened to this interview before we had the kids, we probably would have saved about thirty thousand dollars. Well, I think we would have saved more. What about the whole fresh cycle well, thing? Well, beside the first well, thing, the, so it's ninety ninety thousand yeah. dollars yeah. for twins. So twins are obviously uh, more expensive than singleton, but but. Uh, um, definitely. Do you want to tell the story about the twins or do you want to leave it for the after the interview? Let's do it after the interview. Okay, so here's Sam from On The Phone. So that's also new, by the way. We, we have interviewed, so many new technologies. Yeah, we interviewed him on the phone from Boston. Um, and that was a really exciting thing. It was the first interviewee on the phone. So here it is. Good afternoon, Sam. For us, it's morning, but you you are in your office at, in New York. Actually, we're in Boston. In Boston, yeah. Okay, same same time though. Exactly uh, right, and it's a beautiful day here in Boston, so it's uh, it's great to talk to you guys. We've done a lot of mushy, touchy feely things in the first season, and yet uh, so many of the people who've written to us have said this all is so amazing. And yet, how much does it cost? 
How much does it cost? How much does it cost? And these are uh, totally fair questions. I think that uh, it would be nice if we could just say, oh, you know, that doesn't matter. It's all about love. But you actually have to be able to make this work. And we thought that you could really help us look at the big picture um, and then drill down into the some of the particulars of different areas of cost in the process of of making babies through uh, in vitro fertilization and where somebody can play with some of those costs to get them under control. Absolutely. We, we're very happy to help with that. Uh, this is a process that is, by its very nature, complex and ambiguous, um, and I'm happy to try to distill it down to a little bit more uh, understandable pieces for people. Terrific. So before we start, one thing I think we should do is ask you to introduce yourself and the organization that you're part of so that we can get an understanding of how it fits within the bigger story. Absolutely. So my name is Sam Hyde. I'm the president here at Circle Surrogacy and Egg Donation. I spend the vast majority of my time meeting with parents and meeting with fertility clinics and talking about how we can work together, uh, work together better to serve the clients we have. Uh, Circle was founded about 20 years ago by John Weltman and his husband, Cliff, uh, who have two sons through surrogacy themselves. Uh, and they've, you know, like you mentioned, found the process to be confusing and ambiguous. Uh, as they went through their own journey, they learned how to do it, and then they were in a position to help parents uh, moving forward. And so now, nearly 20 years on, Circle's had just about 1,900 babies born through uh, our process. Um and uh, we're extremely proud of the work that we do every day. I feel like we've had 1,900 babies, but I think it's just the two. <laughs> I've also been struck by the fact that um, so often when we speak to people who are involved with these types of organizations, it always reminds me of, I don't know if you guys remember the, the Hair Club for Men ads, but he would always say, I'm, I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. And, and I just think it's wonderful that the people who are running these organizations are, you know, p- people who have gone through this experience themselves. It makes such a huge difference when, when you know, we were talking to the people uh, as we went through the process that, you know, we knew that they had done this themselves. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly right. And uh, myself, my wife and I went through our own infertility journey. We did go through and have both of our daughters via IVF. And about 40% of our employees here at Circle, and we have about 65 employees, about 40% of them have been through some sort of infertility journey, whether they're a parent through surrogacy or through adoption or through IVF, or whether they're a surrogate themselves or perhaps even a former egg donor. So we bring a lot of kind of real world, having walked in the shoes type of experience uh, to the table when we, when we talk to our clients. What would really be great is if you can help uh, our listeners out by maybe taking us on a quick, very high-level journey of costs. Um, If I'm thinking about, you know, making a baby or two, um, uh, could you just give us kind of an outline of what am I getting into in terms of all of the aspects of the process uh, and... Um, you know, we don't need to get into the specifics of the cost yet. We'll drill down on that afterwards, but it would be helpful. Absolutely. So when you're, when you're going through a journey like this, there are, uh, unfortunately, uh, quite a few hands in the pie, so to speak, with regard to cost. And so there's numerous different parties um, that will help you along the process. And I think that's partly what drives confusion sometimes or anxiety around the cost is the number of different parties that are involved. And so just to break it down at a really high level, 
there are a, a couple big buckets you'll be looking at when it comes to cost for a journey. The first one uh, that I'll start with just because of my position is your agency fees. And so this is the surrogacy or egg donation agency that will help you along the journey um, and kind of hold your hand for most parts of it to guide you through the multitude of steps that you'll have to do to get to the finish line. Sometimes that will include legal costs as well, um, although if your agency doesn't have lawyers, that would be something separate. The second big bucket you're going to run into is compensation for the actual women who will be helping you along with this journey. So this is compensation for your egg donor for going through a cycle uh, to provide eggs that you'll then create embryos with, or compensation for your surrogate to carry the child to term. Um, the third big bucket you'll run into is costs around the actual medical care that needs to be done. And this is uh, what you kind of refer to as IVF costs. Um, you'll work with a clinic, hopefully a clinic that specializes in third-party reproductive you know, work and does a lot of egg donor and surrogacy journeys, and you'll pay them a fee associated with the medical work for the, for the journey. And then the last big bucket you'll run into is around insurance costs. Um, this is usually actually a point of confusion for some of our international clients who come from countries with, um, uh, you know, a universal payer scenario where the, the state covers the medical costs. In the U.S., we need to put insurance vehicles in place for both the egg donor and the surrogate during the journey such that uh, any you know, big costs are then covered by, by that insurance. And so those are kind of the biggest buckets that you'll run into um, throughout the journey, there's some smaller ancillary costs around travel uh, and things like that. But for the most part, that covers the, the big item. What we actually want to do is discuss the process that you go through as a gay man or gay couple looking to have a baby. Let's try to see what are the costs in, this, in each step and then see if we can work it out. So we come to you and we say, uh, by the way, this will not happen because we've done this already and we're not doing it again. <laughs> we come to Circle and we say, hey, we, we want to have, let's just make it one kid. We want to have a kid, right? And uh, you're going to start out by helping us understand the process as you just did. Um, and, and what is the first step that we are going to go through? The first step in, in most journeys uh, is choosing the agency that you want to work with. Some people choose the IVF clinic first, but most people we find actually choose the agency uh, first. And so you'll want to identify the agency that's right for you uh, overall. And in this case, if you come to Circle, um, as you join on, there's a couple tasks you would complete right off the bat. Uh, first, you would get to know the team of individuals that's going to support you. You would start the process of um, you know, working on some of the initial legal work that needs to be done, you know, determining who's going to be on the birth certificate, things like that. Uh, and then you'd kick off the search for your egg donor, which is really, uh, I think, a lot of fun for a lot of parents as they look through the egg donor database trying to identify, you know, what do we want to, uh, in an egg donor? Do we want someone tall? Do we want someone that has a great academic background? Do we want some of a, someone of a certain ethnicity? And that's a really fun aspect of the journey. Can you give us a feeling for the range, the distribution Absolutely. range? I would say the vast majority of the egg donors um, that we see come through our program command a fee somewhere in the neighborhood of $8,000 to $12,000 to do a cycle. Uh, there are outliers above that, usually not below that, uh, but you know, perhaps a very successful uh, woman who has had successful donations um, and is of, you know, a certain ethnicity could command a, high, a higher fee up to 15, 
20, 25,000. Got it. Uh, but the vast majority tend to fall somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 12,000. Okay, and how about on the surrogacy side? How does that um, fluctuate? So on the surrogacy side, there's similar drivers at play for compensation. The first one is, have they been a successful surrogate in the past? If yes, then they usually tend to command a fee somewhere in the neighborhood of $5,000 more than perhaps a first-time surrogate. For Circle, first-time surrogates usually have a base fee of about $30,000, and then they make some additional fees around, you know, a, a fee for going to a transfer, a monthly miscellaneous fee, something like that. If an experienced surrogate comes back, they usually start with a base fee somewhere in the neighborhood of 35000 The other driver you see for surrogate compensation is location. Uh, and so surrogates in California, for instance, tend to command a base fee of 40000 or 45000 even if it's their first time doing this, where surrogates in Arizona or in Ohio or states like that, if there's less demand for surrogates in those states. And so the, the fee is you know, more in line with what I originally said, around thirty to 35000 as a base fee. Right. So then you have to, of course, counterbalance their the surrogate's location with the location of the uh, IVF, uh, whoever's uh, performing the IVF, and where you are as a parent in terms of how much travel is going to be going on. That's exactly right. I think a lot of parents come into this having a desire to have a surrogate that is either very close to them or very close to the clinic in which they're doing the IVF. And generally speaking, if you are able to do that, you can reduce the fees uh, associated with travel to a certain degree. Um, for, for Circle, as we think about the travel required for your egg donor and your, and your surrogate during the entire journey, we usually ask parents to budget somewhere in the neighborhood of about $10,000 for all the trips required for the egg donor and the surrogate in total, so 5000 for each party. Uh, and that does not include, obviously, the travel that you would incur as you go to the clinic or as you go to visit the surrogate uh, during the journey. And so costs can get, you know, travel costs can rise quickly in an environment like this. You talked about uh, earlier, uh, you, you kind of separated the journey to two parts. The first part would be the embryo creation, and the second part is the surrogacy. What would be the cost of the first part? Yeah, for the first chunk, if you came to me and said, I want to create embryos, and you said, how much would that, is that going to cost? Um, if, you choose a, if you choose an egg donor that has about a $10,000 compensation level, let's just pick that midpoint. You know, from an agency fee perspective, you're looking at about $15,000 with travel costs plus uh, the egg donor compensation. So you're looking at about $25,000 with the compensation for the donor plus the agency cost. And then it's then whatever the IVF clinic is going to charge you to do the retrieval and the embryo creation. Um, that would probably run somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to 15000 although it depends on the clinic you're at. And so you'd probably be into that embryo creation phase for somewhere in the neighborhood of Thirty-five to forty-five thousand. Um, there are two types of donor databases out there. I would say so. For us, as an agency, we don't actually have the ability to do the medical testing in-house. And so, for our donors, we collect all of their medical records, all of their family history, uh, help them create a very detailed profile uh, with all of their pertinent information. But we wait until after a parent has selected them to send them to the parent's specific medical clinic to do the screening because each clinic has different requirements uh, as it relates to 
um, donors and, and whatnot. And so it wouldn't be feasible for us to have our donors approved at mm-hmm. a multitude of clinics before it's actually time for donations. Right. Some so, clinics so, have their, so oh, the agency fee does not include the, um, the, the medical tests, basically. Right. The, that would be a, a fee you would actually pay to the clinic directly mm-hmm. to do um, the, the physical uh, and the medical screen at the clinic. That's correct. When you say physical and medical, do you include psychiatric in that? We actually do the psychiatric in-house uh, for both our surrogates and our donors. Ah. Um, we don't outsource that or anything. We have a team in- in-house that does that. Got it. Uh, and so our fees include all the psych testing. And the majority of the clinics we work with, if we've done the psych testing, they wouldn't replicate that testing themselves. They would accept our testing as, as standard. Got it. Okay. What is the $15,000, the agency fee for the first part? What does it include, basically? So that includes all the legal fees. So that would include the legal for us to represent you during the negotiation with your egg donor and for the egg donor to have her own independent counsel that represents her. Uh, Unfortunately, legal is a step where a lot of egg donor agencies and clinics skimp a little bit and they find just kind of a very back of a napkin type of contract. Um, we actually sign a very robust contract that has lots of provisions in it that give you, uh, I think, an additional level of protection on things. So it would include that legal work. Um, it would include all the coordination for the cycle itself. So we'll work directly with the donor, directly with the clinic to make sure that she's arriving on time. It will help coordinate all of her travel um, and make sure that she knows what you know, uh, medical she's supposed to be doing prior We'll also help coordinate any of the monitoring that has to occur. And so prior to her cycle, um, she'll have to go to a local OBGYN to make sure that you know the follicle count is developing and things like that. We'll help coordinate all of that. Um, we'll also collect the funds and distribute the funds based on the contract that you have signed with her. Um, and then lastly, we'll do that social work screening uh, for you, that psych testing for you for the donor to make sure you have a clear picture of you know, what's at play. Uh, from that perspective as well. And then within that 15000 I am including $2,500 uh, as a budget for her to travel uh, to the clinic to go through the actual retrieval uh, as well. So there's, there's some cost there as well. What happens if, uh, if a couple come to you and, uh, and they say, okay, we already have a donor? That is actually a frequent occurrence. I think there's some pluses and minuses to bringing your own donor to the table. We do see people come to us and say, I have a friend that wants to be a donor for us. Yeah. Uh, and we always make sure we ask the question, you know, how do you, how do you plan to approach this you know, post-birth of the baby? How is that person going to be involved or not be involved? And actually, when someone brings their own donor that they know already and have a relationship with already, that legal work becomes that extra level of importance, right? So we're really working through all of the contingencies and all of the scenarios down the road uh, for that child and for you to make sure you have the protection that you want. Uh, it does reduce the overall cost if you bring your own donor to the table. We would still ask that she go through the site testing. We would still collect a fee to do some of the coordination of things, but certainly you'd work out your own compensation with her um, on the side. And oftentimes we see parents come with their own donor where the donor says, I don't actually need to make any you know, compensation from this, just the fact that I'm doing it is you know, rewarding enough for me. Uh, and so you can really reduce your costs in that manner, but it doesn't come without its own you know, uh, things to think through and potential risks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, did we cover the whole first part, Alex? Well, so uh, insurance. 
going to talk about insurance. Yeah, what, what is the role of insurance for, for the, donor? the donor? There is really no role of insurance for the donor relative to what insurance she already has in place. So there's no scenario in which you'd really use her existing health insurance uh, for your own egg donation. Now, when she goes through the donation, you know, established agencies that have a track record of success will usually put in place a complication type insurance policy for her that protects you from any of these very long tail events that could occur when she goes through that donation. But relative to what insurance she already has as she comes into the process, it's not really relevant for the purposes of the egg donor donation. Okay. So, um, so we don't, but why, why do the, the intended parents has to pay it? Well, because she's injecting hormones into her. Uh... Yeah, but she has insurance. Most of those would not be covered by her existing health insurance anyways. Oh. Uh, so there's no real avenue to use her health insurance to cover her donating her eggs and being compensated for it. Oh, interesting. Uh, how do you advise to uh, search for a clinic or to find a clinic that uh, suits you? The clinic question is an interesting one because there are not a lot of great resources online that have the the success rates of the clinics in a way that is easily digestible for parents. Because the dirty secret to a certain degree of IVF clinics is you can make your success rate be almost anything you want it to be. There are harder cases in IVF uh, for perhaps older intended mothers uh, or surrogates that are perhaps not perfectly uh, healthy or whatnot. And so if you choose to take on cases that are a little bit more difficult, your success rate might actually be a little bit lower if it were to be published, but you're actually better at your job than a clinic who says, I'm only going to transfer donor eggs into surrogates who are 26 years old that have had two successful pregnancies in the past, um, and I'm only going to do it if the uterine lining is eight millimeters or above. And so those people might have a 90% success rate, but they actually might not be that good of a doctor uh, in, in some other sense from a cost perspective. All clinics have a different um, a different cost structure with regard to how they approach these journeys. Some clinics allow you to pay uh, for each portion individually. Some clinics have packages that include unlimited egg retrievals and unlimited transfers until you have a successful pregnancy and birth. And so you need to find a clinic that uh, has a package that really fits what you're looking for. And that might vary based on the amount of money you have to spend uh, or things like that. I think it's now the right time to uh, introduce my research because uh, as a preparation to this episode, I got a list from Circle of the five clinics that they work with the most. Uh, so I got three of them on the phone with me during the past week. And I have to say that, that there are hidden costs. It all depends on what exactly uh, you are looking for and what exactly is your situation. Uh, for example, PGD testing, uh, which is actually a testing that looks for specific illnesses like uh, cystic fibrosis or uh, Huntington disease. These are stuff that cost more. And if you don't have it in your family, then you don't. it's not necessarily to do it. And then you can save this money. But it really depends on really how much you get with them into the details of what the costs are. One clinic says that they give you a package, but the package is included only from one parent's sperm. Mm. Which yep. means if you're a gay dad, you have to have an extra amount of uh, money that you can you have to pay in order for the other one to get to get his sperm frozen. 
How do you navigate all of this? Yeah. I would love to have been able to go to somebody and say, all right, look, here are all the different options. By the way, I just want to mention that uh, in my research, uh, I spoke with Fertility Center in LA, Pacific Fertility Center, the Fertility Center of Las Vegas, and HRC. These are the three that I Uh talk about, and I'll publish the result of my research, including the costs that they gave me on our website, uh, on this episode page, because it's really interesting to kind of look and see what the costs are and what the differences are. And there are differences of around $10,000 between the cheapest one and the the most expensive one. So yeah, so how do you go about getting advice and from whom would you get it um, about, all right, based on my specific situation, what packages and what options should I choose? Where do you go to get that advice? We actually see a lot of parents come to us. And I, as I talk to other agency owners, I hear the same thing. And that, as I mentioned before, we tend to work with a lot of clinics. And so we know the ins and outs of how they operate to, to a high degree. And so it's, it's a frequent question for us where parents will come to us and have a couple cost sheets, maybe from a clinic that's close to them, and then maybe a clinic in San Diego, and then maybe a clinic here on the East Coast. And they'll say, can you help us compare these cost structures? And what we'll go, we'll go through and we'll highlight things like exactly what you mentioned, Jan, is for some clinics, charging for a second sperm source uh, is, is common. Usually it's $1,500 or so to have a second sperm source. Candidly, we see most, most clinics are willing to waive that if you push back on it. Uh, but things like that, it will help go through and highlight those for, uh, for parents. And there's some questions in there that you'll have to ask for yourself as well. You know, PGD is a great question. I think the more common question is, do I actually want to do PGS testing, which is looking for chromosomal abnormalities. For our gay dads coming into the program, you're going to be you know, usually uh, you know, mid-30s, early 40s, something like that, very healthy, and you're going to be using a donor egg, you know, a, a donor who is 25, 26, 27 years old maybe. There's actually not perhaps a reason to do PGS testing in, in some cases. And you'll have to consult with your doctor and determine whether it's right for you. But that's an area where you can save a little bit of money, yeah. uh, although you're trading off perhaps a little bit of risk. And by uh, the way, the range of this testing is between $1,800 and $6,000. So it's, it is a chunk of money. Right. These are the tests that are done on the embryo on an individual cell yeah. that's plucked if, off the embryo, yeah. that thing. For the freeze, I understand. That's exactly right. Right. Okay, I think we should move to the next phase, which is the surrogate. What can you tell us about the financial application implications of uh, selecting a surrogate near you, waiting times and stuff like that? So selecting a surrogate near you, as I said before, can be a little bit of a cost alleviator. Uh, if you feel like you're a couple who's going to want to travel to see the surrogate frequently. I would say most parents we have opt to visit the surrogate in person between two and three times during the journey, including the time in which they go. For the birth. And so if you're looking at you know, two, three, or $400 flights each time you go, those costs can add up a little bit. And so if you find a surrogate that is perhaps within a drive uh, or, or even uh, you know, a manageable drive, you can save a little bit of money when it comes to the cost of the total journey. Now, in the end, we're talking about you know a percent or two or three percent of the total cost. But when we're talking about a purchase this big for you know, this amount of services, every little bit can make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's a trade-off there, too, in that we have had surrogates and parents match that were very close to each other, and it was actually too close. 
and they felt like they were seeing each other at the grocery <laughs> store and things like that. And it became a little bit awkward. Uh, and so you'll have to kind of balance what's right for you. And you'll want to go into it telling the agency what level of contact you want with the surrogate. Some surrogates want to be, you know, you want to talk to the parents every day or every other day or being texting back and forth and some things like that. Some parents and some surrogates say, hey, this is a great relationship. We're really thrilled about it, but we're okay talking once a week. And that's the whole contact we want. And so you want to be upfront with your agency so they can match you with someone that wants something similar uh, out of the relationship. Well, hey, I mean, you straight couples actually live with each other and see each other constantly for nine months. I mean, I don't understand that at all, but hey, you know, and to each his own. Do surrogates who live in New York, for example, are more expensive than surrogates who live in uh, Montana? In I think you're just making an example with New York, but surrogacy is actually illegal in New York, so we wouldn't have a surrogate from New York. But oh. say we took a neighboring state where surrogacy is legal, New Jersey perhaps. Okay. Uh, in that case, New Jersey does have a higher level of demand for surrogates than, say, Montana. And so in that case, our surrogates from New Jersey tend to have a base fee of around 35000 where our surrogates in a state like Montana have a base fee around 30000 And so going with a surrogate from a state that is, you know, quote, less popular, unquote, can help you save a little bit of money when it comes time for the journey. You'll offset that, of course, if you live in New York, you can drive to New Jersey, but you can't drive to Montana feasibly. And so you'll offset that. You'll pay her a less fee, but you'll incur more travel costs as right. it relates to the journey. Well, you'll, you'll also incur more travel costs as she travels to your clinic because flying from New Jersey to a clinic in L.A. is cheaper than flying from Montana to a clinic in L.A. because uh, of the way airline pricing works. What about the... Um the medical costs of where the surrogate lives. So uh, does that actually impact your overall uh, outlay or is that covered in the insurance, which is going to be the same? Yeah. The medical costs associated with you know, her medical costs for the journey. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put in place an insurance vehicle that will cover the majority of her medical costs. Uh, as it relates to the pregnancy. And so her location uh, is not really relevant to how insurance would play into it. Got it. We know that uh, there are states in the U.S. where on the birth certificate you get both dad as parents and states where the second parent has to like do a second parent adoption. Uh, does yep. that extra legal fees uh, make it less expensive or more expensive? States where there are a little bit more legal loopholes to jump through tend to be states where the surrogate compensation is a little bit lower. A great example of this, although there's some other factors at play with regard to geography, is California. California has a great statute. Uh, it's very easy to get legal work done in California. Uh, and surrogates, because parents want to have a California surrogate, that tends to drive up the cost of that. Part of the reason parents want to have a California surrogate is because the legal work is very easy. Although there are a lot of states where the legal work is very easy, uh, generally speaking. And so we would never match you with a surrogate where we weren't confident we could get both dads on the birth certificate at some point. And you would match with that surrogate knowing the legal loopholes or legal hoops you'd have to jump through uh, to have both dads on the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. Circle has uh, an in-house lawyer that handles all of the legal fees, right? 
That's correct. So it's uh, different from other ser- uh, agencies who you have to pay for the lawyer, like another chunk of money for the lawyer. That's right. And we build those costs into our agency fees. The advantage of having a legal team in-house like Circle does is you can have engagement from a lawyer outside of just those two points or three points in the journey in which you need it, contract negotiation and parentage. You can have a lawyer that can field questions for you throughout the journey that might come up. And there are a lot of those questions that can come up during a journey where having a lawyer look at it is nice. And if you go with an agency that has an external law firm or you go with external counsel, you might be in a scenario where you have to pay hourly for that advice. Some of the questions that we see come up is, you know, that it's nice to have a lawyer look at is, you know, should the surrogate's insurance cover the specific cost item, you know, vis-a-vis the carrier agreement? Uh, you know, the surrogate has a wedding out of state in month six of her pregnancy that she'd like to go to. Can she attend that wedding, you know, based on what we've drawn up in the care agreement? And is there a legal risk of her going uh, and delivering early, perhaps, in a different state? And so there's all these little questions that can come up during a journey where if you don't have a legal team in-house, it's harder to get an answer for that. So the so we talked about the second part of the of the journey, which is the surrogacy. Can you kind of estimate like what what is the overall cost of the second part? Yeah, absolutely. So for the second part, you're going to be looking at agency fees somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to forty thousand dollars depending on which agency you go with. And that will cover finding the surrogate, coordinating uh, the entire journey for you, handling the funds and distributing the funds, doing the social work screening on the surrogate, supporting the surrogate throughout uh, her journey. And for us, when I talk thirty dollars to $40,000, I'm also including, because we do it, the legal work associated with uh, negotiating the carrier agreement uh, for, your, for your journey. The second bucket you'll be looking at for costs on a surrogacy journey specifically is the compensation to the surrogate, right? Sure. Usually for surrogates, we see a base fee, as I said before, somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to $35,000. Uh, then there's some fees on top of that that she gets paid for. For instance, traveling to the clinic to go through the transfer. She'll also get paid a monthly fee of $200 to help with things around the house, such as house cleaning, you know, things like that. Most agencies include a fee for surrogates to have maternity clothing. And then we also collect some contingency fees up front. So if the surrogate, for instance, has to have a C-section, we'll collect some money up front for that and hold it in reserve. And the surrogates like to know that we have that there in case she has to go through that. And then there's some travel costs associated with her portion of the journey as well, traveling to and from the clinic. And so that surrogate bucket as a whole, I usually would tell parents, comes in somewhere around $45,000 to about $50,000, you know, base fee plus the miscellaneous plus the contingencies plus the travel. Okay. And then there's two more buckets there. The bucket is, the next bucket is insurance costs. So this is the insurance for the surrogate for her maternity care during the pregnancy. This does not include the baby once the baby's born. For most parents, the baby will go on to their own insurance. Right. But you still need insurance for her during the pregnancy. I tell most parents to estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen to $25,000 for the insurance, depending on what insurance vehicle is put in place, whether it's her own insurance in which you then pay the deductibles and co-payments, she'd receive a little bit higher fee, or perhaps you put in place a surrogacy-specific health plan from a Lloyd's of London, perhaps. 
the last bucket for surrogacy is the actual IVF expense itself. In this case, I'll assume that you've already done the embryo creation and the retrieval, and so you're really paying what we would call by the transfer, which is you have embryos in reserve, and you're paying for each time you transfer that embryo into a, into a surrogate. Again, some clinics have package deals that allow you to unlimited retrievals plus unlimited transfers or a retrieval plus unlimited transfers. But if you were paying just by the transfer, most clinics charge a fee somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to $12,000 for the first transfer and then a little bit less for every subsequent tra- transfer after that. Most parents choose to choose, choose to buy a package that includes the egg retrieval, embryo creation, and the subsequent transfers. If you buy that whole package deal, the total fees end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to forty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, back to the insurance for a question for a moment. So, if uh, if the surrogate is fully insured uh, herself, um, uh, we would end up paying the deductibles that are associated with the those expenses, but that would be it. That's right. In most cases, the insur- the surrogate herself will actually command a higher fee because of the fact that you're paying her deductibles and co-payments. And so surrogates that have approved maternity insurance usually command a fee of about $5,000 more. Uh, so when I talk about the range being 15 to 25, I usually include that extra compensation for the surrogate within that bucket because it is relative to the fact that she has insurance. Generally speaking, on average, maternity care for the surrogate if she has her own insurance is a little bit cheaper although the variability is higher got it okay um okay let's talk a little bit about grants do do you know we know about men having babies who give grants did you encounter any other grants a part of that men having babies is really the biggest grant giver in the space at the moment Uh, and at circle we sign up to uh, support both parents that have been approved for a discounted journey and also parents that have been fine, that have been approved to do a pro bono journey. We have two sets of parents with us right now that we're doing a pro bono journey for that are through men having babies. It's a great organization and they, they do good work. They're probably the, the only real outfit I know of that's providing grants at scale for parents that are looking to defray some of the costs of a surrogacy journey. So you tabulate all the numbers and it's a big number for people who don't have the money to cover it. So there are grant opportunities, maybe. Um, what else can I do? I can take some forms of loan, I suppose. Um, you know, the really tough kind like equity loans and things like that. Those are an option. Um, uh, are there any other breaks that are available to me uh, that you're aware of? Uh, are there tax breaks? Are there any kind of uh, tricks that I can pull to reduce what the effective cost of this thing will have been? Yeah, there. unfortunately, there are tax breaks. This is an area where I think the tax code is not as progressive as I think society would like it to be. The tax breaks, are primarily relative to hetero couples, unfortunately, which is a sticking point for us that we hate, is hetero couples can write off medical expenses. And there's an argument to be made that you know, going through a surrogacy journey is a viable medical expense because they're medically infertile. Uh, unfortunately, our government is a little bit backwards in that it doesn't recognize 
two dads of also being medically infertile, although I've seen no evidence that two dads could produce a baby on their own. Uh, and so it's, unfortunately, this is an area where uh, there's probably a court case to be fought. Uh, I haven't seen it fought yet, uh, but for dads to write off the medical expenses associated with the journey as uh, a viable tax break for, for infertility. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, you hit on the other area where you can you, know, you can draw a loan on maybe a, a home equity um, to, to, to do that. We see some parents come to us, you know, having gone to family and friends to help defray the cost. And the other option is there are some lenders out there that will provide lending for um, health care, uh, of which this fits in that bucket. Prosper is a great example of that. Um, it's you can't defray the entire cost of it into a loan, but parents have successfully gotten loans of ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to help uh, a portion of the journey. Well, that's great. Okay, yeah. So we've heard a lot of numbers in this conversation, and uh, I think that might be really valuable for us to tabulate the whole thing. I hope that all of our listeners are sitting. Uh, if you're driving, pull over to the side of the road. Just kidding. Um, please, uh, l let's look at what those top line numbers uh, for this entire journey might look like, Sam. Sure. So if you're coming to us and you're looking just to do embryo creation and you've decided that perhaps you want to do a surrogacy journey later on, I would have in your mind a cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $35,000 to get to the point of having created embryos. If you're coming to us and you already have embryos created and you're just looking to do a surrogacy journey, you know, the agency fees, insurance, surrogate costs, and IVF costs, I would put that top line number somewhere in the neighborhood of 125 to 135000 And then if you're coming to us and you're looking to do both embryo creation and the surrogacy journey at the same time, kind of, you know, end to end, let's get to the finish line and have a baby, I would have $160,000 to $180,000 in your head is kind of an acceptable range. And those, as I said before, will kind of flex up or flex down based on some of the small choices you can make within the journey based on travel costs or based on surrogate location or egg donor history, things like that. But I think it's nice to ground in some top line numbers there. This is without a fertility clinic. That was, sorry, to be clear, that would include the cost. I'm estimating in that cost oh, okay. somewhere in the neighborhood of $40,000 yeah. for your idea. That's the all in, and yeah. Yep, that's, that's all in. Uh, we actually, Circle actually offers what we call a fixed fee program as well, which says, you know, we'll assume all the third-party costs as it relates to insurance, as it relates to travel for your surrogate or your egg donor, as it relates to your surrogate's compensation. And so we're able to provide a completely fixed-price journey for you uh, if you also choose an IVF package uh, that has unlimited transfers in it as well. And so... Circle publishes all of our costs and all of our cost sheets right on our website. I think we're one of the only agencies to do that. And so you can look through and see how this actually breaks down dollar by dollar for the most part uh, for the different scenarios that you're looking for. If we have uh, parents or uh, prospective parents, listeners, who would like to contact Circle to get more information and learn more about how to go through this journey, uh, who do they contact? Yeah, so we have a, a form on our website that parents can reach out through to, to request more information. If people have one-off questions or want to ask uh, you know, a little bit more about Circle or about me, parents can feel free to email me directly as well. My email is shide at circlesurrogacy.com. I tend to be fairly responsive, and I'm happy to either answer the question or route you to someone here at Circle that, uh, that can help out. 
Wonderful. We'll, of course, put the links to all of this yeah. on the site. Sam, thank you so oh, much you for so your much. time. Yeah, thank you, guys. This has been fantastic. It's, a, it's an area that I'm super passionate about. Uh, I love to see the baby pictures in my inbox every day when I wake up of the babies born through our program. It's a super inspirational, intentional path to parenthood, uh, and I love what we're able to do on a daily basis. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Sam, and we have extended version of 50, 52 minutes of the interview with him on our website. We had to count down for the episode just to make sure we don't exceed the one hour length. Just out of curiosity, what happens if we go over one hour? People fall asleep? Yeah, I don't Something know. Something like that. All right, that's it's fine. like uh, my little rule that okay. I told myself. All right. So if you want to hear the whole thing, it's like 50 minutes long. And you should check out the the episode page too, because Yana's put a lot of detail in there um, to look at. On this episode page, I laid out the whole my whole research uh, for fertility clinics. So you can see what I looked at, what they told me, um, some of the numbers. You can see that I found hidden costs. For example, if you go on their website and you see a price, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the price you're going to pay. Right. Um, so that was really interesting. And the more you dive to it and the more you ask questions and you, the more you know what to look into, the more you're going to find hidden numbers. What we didn't do, by the way, when we, when we researched for the fertility clinics and the, and the surrogacy agencies, that we didn't really look at anything. We didn't we just any anything. research. I mean, let's just be clear. We, we want to be just honest with all of our listeners doing right now. now. When we had kids, we did no research at all. We just jumped right in and found out how much it was going to cost pretty much after we were finished paying for all of it. Uh, don't recommend yeah. that path for the rest of you. Um, and I think that while it is often difficult to know how much uh, complicated things like this are going to cost in advance, and there's... Absolutely no doubt that people are going to discover uh, costs as they go through the process. It is really important to sit down and try to understand each one of these line items and create a budget for yourself before you get started. Some of my conclusion from, from this uh, interview and from my research that can actually save money is, first of all, to pause between the first and the second stage. I think that um, the first stage, which is the creation of the embryo, is kind of the, the, the lighter part financially, but it's also very meaningful because th that way you can know basically where you're standing, how many embryos you have, if you want to know if they're boys or girls, what are the chances, so before, and then you can freeze them and then kind of make another calculation and see what you want to do. But if you have the, the embryos ready... So you've already been through a par significant part of the journey and you can continue whenever you want. You know, when it came to our situation, um, we were not incredibly responsible about the way we got started. We, we found an agency, we went to them, we didn't really compare them with anybody else, we didn't really plan out the budget, we just sort of ejaculated into a cup and children came out. It basically means that you are better, our listeners. Oh yeah! Seriously. Oh yeah! No, there's absolutely no we're doubt. You are better than we are. That is three so, and a half. <laughs> three that is so true. Three and a half years later, I did the research. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, but look, but, but you know, we we made some real mistakes as a result of not understanding this stuff. And and by way of one example, I think we 
we blew around $65,000 um, that we didn't need to. Why? Because of this. We were convinced by our agency that it was important to have what's called a fresh cycle where uh, the um, embryo comes out of uh, the Petri dish or rather the egg comes out of the egg donor, goes into the Petri dish, and goes straight into the surrogate without having been frozen first. Now, in with chicken that you're going to make in, in the kitchen, not freezing it is, is a good thing because it tastes better apparently, but it turns out that for embryos, that's really not the case anymore, and you know uh, a fresh cycle isn't that necessary. Well, what happened in our case is uh, we got everybody set up. We had our surrogate who was injecting hormones, and then we flew her in to Los Angeles to be ready to receive these fresh embryos. And then we didn't get enough eggs out of our egg donor to make enough uh, embryos to implant. So here we are having spent all of this money with this surrogate. And crickets. And crickets, right? So that is only one of many ways that you can, you know, go right or go wrong in the process. And uh, there's a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I've learned is that to choose an egg donor that it's close to the fertility clinic. Not right, to us. Right. The, tra the travel part is complicated so, yeah. because you're really talking about uh, paying for her travel more often than you're talking about paying for your own. Yes. Yeah. And especially if the egg retrievals uh, don't work and you have to redo it. So it kind of overall uh, saves a lot of costs. Uh, the surrogate, I would say, choose a surrogate that is relatively close to you and the clinic, but is not in high demand place. So. Uh -huh. High demand place, oh, high like, demand like place. Uh, Los Angeles, yeah. for example. So if yeah. you live in Los Angeles, maybe one in Arizona. Yeah, I would say um, that that you can actually drive to, and you know, it's, I'm it's not driving easy. to Arizona. You're not driving anywhere for any surrogate ever again. <laughs> let's let's just be clear. That's for damn sure. Um, so when you select an egg donor, consult with the fertility clinic before the final choice. Because uh, analysis of the semen and the egg donor's medical pass can save costs of PGD testing. Yep. Um, and another thing is the negotiate with the fertility clinics about waiving uh, extra prices. And this is something I didn't know about that Sam said. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're two gay dads and there's an, an extra uh, $1,900 uh, costs for the other dad to do the, the test, just tr try them to waive it down for you. Try to negotiate it down. My name is Jan, and I'm an immigrant <laughs> from Israel, and I'm not an American. And this is you part are of in fact an American with a citizenship. Okay, but this is part of our charm. It is charming. I'm. I represent the people who don't know English. Hi. I'm going to talk so, with an Italian accent. So the the last part that I want to say is that to choose an agency that has an in-house fertility lawyer, because another thing that is really interesting is that some fertility, and I'm not going to say names, some agencies claim that there is specific, you know, agency fee for them. And it seemed lower, for example, relatively to Circle, but if you add up the lawyer, which Circle has in-house, it, it, you know, it results in like much higher mm -hmm. costs. So pay attention to who has a lawyer and who doesn't. That's all for me. 
Well, I just want to remind everybody that there's something we did not talk about in this episode that really matters, which is we've talked about managing costs. What we haven't talked about are uh, potentials and opportunities for getting uh, loans and grants to help you. That isn't always possible, but it is absolutely an option and something that I believe we've talked about lightly in other episodes. Um, You know, uh, we didn't do it, but I think that it's something that if you find yourself really scared of the costs are worth looking into. I would like to kind of uh, make a quick shout out to the three fertility clinics that I spoke with. I think they deserve it. They spent some time with me and explained everything to me. Pacific Fertility Center in Los Angeles, the Fertility Center of Las Vegas, and HRC. Guys, weird. The most important thing about our podcast is that we want to connect with you, gay dads and gay dads-to-be. Uh, this is why we're doing what we do. Uh, so please contact us, write to us, tell us your story. It's hello at daddysqr.com. Um, you can write us an email or uh, check us out on Instagram at the Gay Dad Podcast and on Facebook at Daddy Square. We would love to hear about anything, basically. So if you have a suggestions, suge- suggestions, suggestions, or complaints or issues that you'd like to talk about, and even if you like to connect with other gay dads in your city or your town we can arrange that Alex what do you think about spring break because you it's like it's now ending it's the, the last day supposedly because basically it ends on Monday here are my feelings about spring break um, spring break used to be the thing that you where you go and you do drugs and girls pull their shirts up to get beads, although I don't really understand why. Um, once you are a parent, what it is is a period of time when your children, for some reason, aren't in school. We don't really know why because yeah. it's obviously not a break for them. It's a break, I guess, for the teachers. And so we, instead of having a break, have you know two weeks of... <laughs> Breakdown. So yeah, we have a breakdown. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Welcome to spring break. Yeah. So spring break is ending today. And I love it. God. That is weird. The Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. Please rate and review our podcast. We like five stars as a number. You could choose lower, but why? Five, uh, please rate and review our podcast. Uh, you know, it helps other gay dads find us and connect with us and with each other. And that's what we're here for after all. And if you have friends, please recommend to them about the podcast. Ask your mother, how hard <laughs> could it be? You go and you tap five stars. Daddy Squared is a part of gayswithkids.com. And thank you to Circle Surrogacy, who actually have become our friends during this preparation for the recording of this episode and our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsor. Alex, that's it. We're back. We're back. Three months of you speaking. Uh, They're going to get. What the hell does that mean? Oh, I see what you mean. You talk a lot. I talk as much as is needed. (laughs) Guys, have a great week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.
If you're thinking about becoming a dad, surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the U.S. and around the world for over 20 years. The surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex. Circle's experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood. Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com.